if you're watching and you have quit the race, would you go to the Lord today and re-enlist? Would you tell the Lord you want back in? You want to get back in the race? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I'd like to ask you to read with me now, please. Let's read together. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I wish Brother Howard were here to read the Scripture. We're so used to hearing his voice in reading of Scripture, and he does such a good job. But um, maybe next week, maybe next Sunday, we'll be back together. Amen? Well, did you know that Next month is scheduled the uh, Olympic, the Winter Olympic Games in Beijing. Did you know that? Um, the Olympics always generate a lot of interest. They do. And of course, they generate a lot of money too. Historians tell us that the Olympic Games began in Greece some 3,000 or give or more, whatever, years ago. So a long time ago. But also, history tells us that in approximately 300 A.D., give or take, that one of the, uh, the emperors of Rome banned all of the Olympic Games. And they remained banned for 1,500 years. Then in 1896, the Olympics as we know them started up again. And they didn't have such a an easy time of it. There was a lot of interest, but not like today. They had a lot of hurdles to overcome. And uh, they did it anyhow. They went on to become the Olympics or the world's preeminent sporting events. Absolutely today. I got wondering, I wonder how many men and women have competed in the Olympic Games over the years. And I don't I don't have any figures. I don't know how to find it out, but I'm just sort of using dead reckoning. I would guess that maybe 100,000 men and women have competed uh, in the Olympic Games. But is there any way in which we can know who the best Olympic champion was? Is there any way? Well, I think there is if you count the number of medals they won. Because these Olympic champions often will win more than just one medal. They'll be in there for um, a number of uh, Olympic Games and they'll win different medals. And so I think I might know who the greatest Olympic champion uh, that, uh, that there ever was. And I'd like to tell you the story of this world-renowned Olympic champion. 
I think he's the best the world has seen as far as, as gold medals. He was born in Baltimore, Maryland in the United States, and as a boy he had a lot of trouble in school. You see, he was diagnosed with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, as it's known. But when this boy was seven years old, his mother convinced him to make a decision that would alter the course of his life. Now, what was this decision that this seven-year-old boy made that changed his life? Well, at the end of the sermon, I'm going to tell you what this future Olympic champion did. Today, we're talking about running the race with patience. So we have our own Olympics that we need to be part of. And so let's have a word of prayer and let's, let's look into this today. Our Heavenly Father, once again, we ask that You would please touch our hearts. Take the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our hearts. Our Father, we live in a cold world and unfortunately that coldness cools off the Christian heart. It may well be that there are born again men, women and young people watching today and listening to this sermon, and their hearts have grown cool. My Father, I ask in Jesus' name that You would build a fire under them. Do whatever it takes, Father, to bring back that fervency, that great love for Jesus, to bring back those decisions made maybe so long ago that I will live for Jesus. I will follow Him fully and do His will. Please bless us now as we look at this subject. And if there be even one person watching who's never yet received Jesus into their heart, help them to do that today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, according to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Christians are in a race. We're running a race. Literally, it's a contest is what it is. And I don't think it's so much a contest be, you know, between us and other Christians. It's not a contest like that. It's more of a contest between the Christian and the world, the flesh, and the devil. There are three unbelievable, powerful forces at work to destroy and take down the Christian man or woman. As I prayed earlier, maybe someone is watching this sermon today and you used to be part of the race, you used to run, but the world, the flesh, and the devil somehow managed to trip you up and get you sidetracked and pulled you off the course. And now where are you today? You see, it is quite a contest, isn't it? This... Uh, I don't know, what would you call it? Christian Olympics? God's Olympics? Something like that. Folks, we're talking a serious contest here. We're not talking like a three-legged race where you and a buddy put your arms around each other and then they, they tie your, your two legs, the two inner legs together so it's as if you've got three legs and then it's hilarious to try and watch the two of you run 
and get a few of you in competition and watch you all run down the field and see who crosses the finish line. That's a three-legged race. And that's great at a, at a church picnic. But that's not what we're talking about today. Other church picnic games include the potato sack race where you step inside of an old potato sack and you have to hop, hop, hop down to the finish line. And again, at a picnic, it's a lot of fun. And we hoot and holler and cheer and it's just great memories. But that is not the kind of Christian race we're talking about today. When God talks about a a Christian race, it's more of a contest of endurance. Endurance. And there are similarities between all Christians and the race we have, but there's also individualities. And the race that I run is a different race. There's differences between what I run and say my wife, what she runs for the Lord. And we're, we're going in the same direction, but there's individual differences and it's the same with all of us. And in a family, you may be a family of five or six or seven, you may be a family of three, you may be a family of two, you may be starting a family or looking for to start a family, you may be by yourself. But we all have a race and our race is a little different, each one of us. There's different um, obstacles. The course may be a little bit different, something like that. We might say it's a slightly different Olympic event for each and every one of us. But all of us are in this contest, this race. Now, if you look back at chapter 11, you can see here some of the Old Testament saints and the race that they were in. Uh, Chapter 11, and look at verse 36. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, that were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Say, there's some of the Old Testament worthies. There's the course they had to run. If you're suffering with some of the effects of COVID, you compare that, what you're going through, to what some of these dear ones went through. Oh my, what a difference. But you see, that was their particular course that they had to go through. If you look at chapter 12, and um, we have the example of our Lord Jesus and the course that he went through. Look, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And so you can see it's a contest of endurance, isn't it? That's what it is, the uh, uh, Olympic Games that we're involved with. And... You may not think that you're part of this. You're a Christian, but you're not really part of this. Well, we'll get to that. But the Olympic game God has for you and for I is largely a contest of endurance. And that's why we're told to run the race with patience. That's the key word for today. 
You know, the apostles, we consider them so blessed of the Lord, but you consider some of their race and what they had to endure. Uh, We won't turn there, but in Acts chapter 4, the apostles were threatened. And then in Acts chapter 5, the apostles were beaten. And this was part of the course that they had, the Olympic game before them, and the endurance that they had to go through. Indeed, it's a contest of, of endurance. How much can you endure anyhow? How is your endurance doing? Well, in chapter 12 of Hebrews, and if you look at verse 7, if ye endure chastening, now remember God chastens His children. He does that because He loves us. And when we sin, He can bring in judgment and consequence and chastening. When we have bad habits, when we get out of His will, He can certainly bring in chastening. And as a loving Father, He will. And the Lord Jesus, as the great shepherd, when the sheep go wandering, He'll go after them. And He does it because He loves us. Verse 7 here, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Did you know that that even included the Lord Jesus? He was not chastened for his own sin. He was chastened in other ways. And it was all to the glory of God. But what an amazing Savior we have, this Lord Jesus. And if you want to take a look at this in verse 2, here's the Lord Jesus' attitude toward the... um, the the suffering and the shame. In verse 2, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. There's that word endure again. Despising the shame. To despise anything means to sort of look down your nose at it. It's not worthy of your time or attention. It's beneath you. you. You give it no time, no thought. You give it no attention. You give it no details. You you, you care for it n- not. And to despise the shame, to look down upon the shame Jesus went through, Jesus sort of thought, it's beneath me. I won't even let it detract me from my goal. You see, he had a course too, didn't he? And he ran. And boy, he ran good, didn't he? And he's a good example for us. And we're told here, that we're to consider this um, lest we feel wearied uh, in our minds, you see. Um, So, running the race with patience. Now, I do believe there probably are some Christians who've opted out of the race. And uh, they're sitting on the sidelines or they're, they're doing things of the world. They used to be in the race. But they're not anymore. They quit. And I think that's the context here in verse 1, chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That's not only the Old Testament worthies in chapter 11, but that's the New Testament and the contemporaries. There are men and women living for the Lord and suffering and serving Him. And this makes up the great cloud of witnesses, witnesses to us and encouraging us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. 
I think that's the sin of giving up, the sin of quitting. You know, a young man or woman in school may be discouraged and having a rough time. Projects are piling up. Maybe they're in college. The debts are piling up. They're tempted to quit. What am I putting up with all this for? I am out of here. And they quit. The temptation to quit. Human nature doesn't need any lessons in how to quit. And many years ago, I actually heard about this. There was a college in the States that offered a course, How to Quit. You don't need to teach fallen human nature how to quit. This April, it'll be 47 years that the Lord saved me. And I'm about 41 years now in full-time ministry for the Lord. And I, have, I haven't seen it all, and I have not heard it all, but I've seen a lot, and I've heard a lot, and I've counseled with so many, many people over the years. And I can tell you from my first-hand experience that people are ready to quit. So many. It hurts me. In fact, it stabs me in the heart when I hear of a, a man who has taken training and gone off to serve the Lord, and he's quit. He's out of the ministry. Boy, that hurts. I think it hurts the Lord. But I sure feel hurt when there's a brother, a comrade in arms out there who threw down his arms and has left the battlefield. It happens, I know. And the Lord deals with his people. But there are Christian men and women who give up and they quit. They no longer read their Bible. They no longer pray. They no longer go to church. Oh, they quit that a while ago. They no longer serve the Lord. They're not there on the battlefield. They're out of the game. They're sitting on the sidelines, so to speak. And we had people like this in the New Testament as well. The Apostle Paul spoke of a fellow named Demas in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Demas hath forsaken me. And he quit the ministry and off he went. John Mark quit the ministry too, if you remember. He launched out with Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. He didn't get very far. He didn't see that much, but what he saw, he didn't like. So he left them and turned and went back home. And for many years, he was sidelined. Barnabas worked with him and helped him to get back back in the game. If you're watching and you have quit the race, would you go to the Lord today and re-enlist? Would you tell the Lord you want back in? You want to get back in the race? Listen, You may be able to make some money out in the world, but that money will do you no good. I was just thinking today about how many Christians that turned down certain opportunities because they knew it would 
pull them out of church and maybe pull them away from their family even. Listen, the only kind of promotion you want is when it comes from the hand of Jesus. Don't take promotions that come from the hand of the devil. His promotions, yeah, they may, they may come with a bag of money, but they'll pull you away from the Lord, my friend. They'll pull you out of church. They'll pull you out of service for the Lord. And they may pull you away from your family. They'll certainly pull you away from your Bible and from your prayer closet. So there are Christians that are not even in the race. They've quit. Get back in the race. There are some other Christians, believe it or not, that are in the race, but they're trying to cheat. How can you cheat? Well, there's ways of cheating. As, as sure as there's a devil, there are ways of cheating. I remember back in uh, the 80s, there was a, an Olympic champion named Ben Johnson. Maybe some of you will remember that name. Ben Johnson was uh, originally from Jamaica, but his family moved to Toronto and he became a, a Canadian boy and uh, grew up and he was a runner. And boy, he was a good runner too. And he got into the Olympics. And uh, wow, they, uh, they loved Ben Johnson. He was at one point the fastest man on two legs. And he won the 1988, I think it was, Olympic gold medal for the 100-yard uh, or 100-meter dash. You know, he was the fastest. Nine, it was less than 10 seconds, 9.7, something like that. 9.7275, I don't know. But the fastest man on earth, Ben Johnson. And he won the gold medal temporarily. Because if you remember the story, they tested him for drugs. These um, muscle-enhancing steroids. And he failed. He failed the test. And he said, oh, it's not my fault. The, the, uh, the Gatorade, somebody spiked my Gatorade. But they didn't buy that. That was a lie. And so he lost his gold medal. And it was given to the next runner. But Ben Johnson, at one point everyone thought, man, he's the fastest man alive. The uh, Johnson outboard motors got him to do their commercials. And boy, he was a, a rich man and a famous guy. And then he was found out to have cheated. And so he was stripped of his gold medal. Well, twice more he, he got caught cheating. He was banned for a while from the Olympics. He got back in in the 90s, I think 93 and 99, I could be wrong. But twice more, he ran and was caught with drugs in his system, steroids enhancing him. And so he was disqualified. So a total of three times. They say, three strikes, you're out. I don't know where Ben Johnson is today. I've lost track of the man. I sure hope that he, he at some point received Christ as his Savior. That's all I hope. But you see, there are people who, who cheat. And I'll show you that in the Scriptures. Keep your finger there in Hebrews. Turn to the left and, and go to, to Timothy. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
Now, here, Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. And he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Folks, that's our secret weapon, is the grace of God. And we need to expose ourselves to the grace of God every day and ask God for His grace in our lives every day. And the things uh, that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. We use that verse in our Bible college. Thou therefore endure, there's the word endure again, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now verse 5, look. And if a man also strive for masteries, that's a reference to athletic games. Yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Lawfully. You see, there's a right way and a wrong way to go about living your life for Jesus. Sadly, there are too many people today going about it the wrong way. I guess I could preach a whole sermon on that. But the point is, it's like cheating on a test. The Lord sees if you're playing according to His, His ground rules. You can't run the race and win unless you run lawfully. Uh, a story comes to mind of a, of a, a lady who, um, in the Boston Marathon, the 26-mile run, you know, she started, she was seen there starting, and then all of a sudden she's one of the first to cross the finish line. And they, they examined cameras, they examined her. She should have been absolutely worn out and sweat everywhere. She wasn't. And they realized what she did was she dropped out early and then cut across the field and waited. And then at the right time she slipped back in with the crowd and Zoom took off. She cheated. She's not the only one. Others have done the same thing. There's been all kinds of people cheat at games. Maybe you know of some... Hey, maybe you yourself. Well, when it comes to serving the Lord and living for Him, you've got a race set before you like an Olympic game. And you've got to do it God's way. You say, well, what is God's way? Well, you need to be saved. You've got to be born again. After that, the Lord asks us to be baptized by full immersion to join the local church. You need to be a member of the church. This is just God's will. You need to study your Bible daily. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 tells us that. Have your daily prayer time with the Lord. Uh, in Hebrews 10.25, you need to faithful, uh, be in faithful attendance. You say, Pastor, you closed the church on us. How can we be there? Well, this is only a very short little closure. And it's for health's sake, safety's sake. If anyone has gotten COVID, it's not been because they came to church. You got that somewhere else, at work or at school. Someone brought it into your home. You could have been out shopping and going from one aisle to another to get your groceries. Someone in front of you around the aisle may have sneezed. You didn't know and you walked right into it. And that's how you got covid you may have touched something that someone else had touched and then you may have put your, your, your fingers to your mouth or to your eyes or something. 
we can never know how we got COVID. I haven't a clue how I got it. I was very careful, and yet I got it. And I know you're very careful too. I know that. But what I'm saying here is that uh, one of the requirements to serve the Lord is faithful church attendance. And you can come up with as many excuses as you want. Oh, I can't go to church today because my little pinky hurts me. Oh, we can't go to church today because one of our children doesn't want to go today. Oh, I can't go to church today because it's raining or it might look like it rained or it rained yesterday or it might snow one day. Oh, I can't go to church today because uh, I've got a test on Monday and I need to study all day on Sunday for my test on Monday. Any excuse you want will sound good enough to you, but it won't sound good enough to the Lord. Jesus, who went to the cross for you, my friend, and you can't go to church for him? What's wrong with this picture? Well, I'm just telling you, I'm just being honest with you. Hebrews 10.25, you could look it up later, but it tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Be in faithful attendance. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, we're told to walk toward them that are without in wisdom. And it refers to reaching lost people with the gospel. We are to be involved with reaching lost people with the gospel. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, we're told to bring the tithes into the storehouse. That's important that we obey that. You break that one, You've got God to answer to, and God will chasten and get your attention one way or another. So many Christians have found this out the hard way. They figured, well, I can't afford to tithe, or I'm saving for a boat, or whatever, but they don't tithe. All of a sudden, they start having expenses they didn't count on. And listen, God can do that to anyone. Anyone. God's command is for us to bring all the tithes into the storehouse and God's promise is to open the windows of heaven. Truth is, you can't afford not to tithe. You stop your tithing, you close up the windows of heaven. If you want God to bless you and open the windows of heaven, you need to tithe. And when you start supporting missionaries, faith promise, maybe you filled out a card in November and you put that in and we put that card up and counted it amongst all of the the other cards, And then you decided, no, I don't think I'm going to send in my faith promise this month. I want to save up and buy a new Xbox or something. You are going to answer to God because you made a promise to God. Now listen, if you've made a crazy promise, $1,000 a week, and your income is $500 a week, you've made a mistake and you need to readjust that down to something a little more reasonable. But you still need to be part of the game. And so the grace of giving and the act of giving is very important for the Christian. And of course, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight basically summarizes to two words, don't quit, don't quit. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that you're Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Don't quit. God's rules for running the race. It's not impossible. Any Christian can do these. But some Christians, they want to do it their way. They don't want to run it God's way. Well, we need to run the race that is set before us with patience. 
And this idea of a race being a contest, a contest of endurance. There's going to be hardship when you live your life for Jesus. There's going to be maybe some persecution. There may be some nasty people say some nasty things to you. You may experience some struggles in your finance or some struggles in your health uh, or who knows whatever. But look again, please, at chapter 12 and verse 3. For consider him, that's Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. If Jesus were walking in your shoes and he was living his life for God the Father, you know he would experience hardness. He did already 2,000 years ago on earth. And he would again today. And as he walked, so do we walk. He experienced hardness in the race. We experience hardness in the race. Listen, talk to any Olympic competitor. Talk to any of them. Ask them, how easy was it for you to get into the Olympics? What do you suppose they might tell you? Easy, what are you, nuts? In order to qualify, do you realize for a few years I had to get up at four in the morning and go to the gym or go to the track or something or get into the, the pool, whatever? I had to push my body to the limit time after time after time. I had to say no to certain things in order to get better, stronger, faster. Don't use that word easy around me. There was nothing easy about it. It's not easy to be able to qualify to get into the Olympics. And then it's not easy to be able to win a gold medal or a silver or a bronze. Most people don't win at all. Not easy at all. Note in verse 3, the contradiction of sinners. And that's the way the world is. The world will justify the evil and they will condemn the godly. That's what the world does and the devil pushes them to do it. The world will justify all of the prostitutes and condemn all of the righteous. That's what the world does. That's all they know. And it's a contradiction of sinners against Jesus and against you and I. And so this race we're in, we're told to run with patience. And patience is something that comes over time. I heard this little joke about a man who, Christian man who wanted patience. And he prayed, Lord, give me patience. And give it to me right now. I want it right now, Lord, right now. I want patience right now. Well, patience doesn't come that way. The idea of patience is to remain under some unpleasant circumstance or some burden. To remain under. That's patience until God takes the circumstance away or God brings you out. That's the idea of patience. How do we get patience? Well, we may as well look at it. Turn a couple pages to the right to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Here it is. Here's how we get patience. Look at verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but... Let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. 
In Hebrews chapter 12, we're told to run the race with patience. In James chapter 1, we're told that patience comes by trials, testings, persecution, if you will. So we have trouble builds patience so that we can endure trouble, which builds patience, more patience, which means we can endure more trouble, which builds more patience. It's the same principle as building your muscles. When you lift weights or do isometrics or something, you're causing microscopic tears in the muscles. And then they need time to heal. And when they heal, they're stronger. Then you go back into the gym and you lift some more weights, causing more microscopic tears in the muscles. And you may have aches and pains. In fact, you will. And then you heal after a couple of days. You feel great. and You go back in. You find you can lift a few more pounds than you did before. This is how we get patience. It's through trials and, and testings. This is how it's done. Listen, I told you at the beginning of this sermon about the early life. I told you a little bit about the early life of the world's greatest Olympian, but I want to tell you the rest of the story now. The seven-year-old boy I spoke of with ADHD, he had way too much energy, and he needed an outlet for his energy. And so his mother came up with the idea of swimming. And she said to him, Son, I want you to try out swimming and just see if you like it. Oh, I don't know, Mom, I don't know. And his sisters were there encouraging him. Oh, yeah, come on, we'll do it with you. It'll be fun. So he tried it. And sure enough, it was a lot of fun. And he and his sisters, they learned to, to love swimming. Well, this boy, whose name was Michael, by the time he was 10 years old, he had started winning a number of swimming races and competitions. And by the time Michael was 15 years old, he qualified as the youngest male to be part of the U.S. Olympic swimming team. And over the next several years, Michael went on and started winning gold medals at the Olympics. But Michael still had inner problems. He had depression. He still had his ADHD. In 2012, Michael said, I quit. I'm finished. I'm out of here. I'm finished with swimming. I don't care if I ever get in a pool again. I'm gone. You'll never see me around here again. And so he quit. What happened to Michael? His life went into a tailspin. And he got involved with things that he wasn't proud of and he had some legal troubles. But after much soul searching, Michael decided he wanted back in. And so he got back to Olympic swimming and he went on to win more gold medals, a total of 23 gold medals and 20 Guinness World Records. No other Olympic champion to date has ever won as many medals as Michael Phelps, the swimmer. So that's who I think was the world's greatest Olympian. But folks, I'm just about done here. Listen to me. It's quite possible that these days maybe you don't feel much like a, a champion of anything. It's possible that, that you're asking yourself 
some serious questions like, where am I going in life? What's going to happen to me? Maybe some of you are wondering what's going to happen to you this month. Maybe it's not been a good month at all for you. and Pretty bad 2021 and we're off to a terrible start in 2022. It's possible that you may be watching and asking yourself some pretty serious questions. Well, listen, my friend, it's possible you may be in the wrong game. You may be in the devil's game and not in God's game. You may be involved in things of the world and not things of heaven. And I want to encourage you, get into God's game. If you've quit on the Lord, you're no longer serving Him, reading your Bible, going to church, but somehow you're watching this today. God is calling you would you get back in the game? Would you get back to where you left off? If you're looking for something you lost, if you've lost something and you're looking for it, do you know where you're going to find it? You're going to find it in the place you lost it. Go back to when you quit on the Lord and tell Him, Father, I am so sorry I quit on you. You've never quit on me. Father, I want back in the game. I want to get back into the Olympics. And maybe you've been involved with the devil's Olympics. Well, get out of that stuff and get back to God's Olympics and tell God that you'll, you'll serve Him. Tell God that you'll run the race with patience. That's what you need to do today. If you'll do it. If you look, please, once more at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, the joy that was set before Him. And that's what God gives, is He gives joy. Deep joy and peace in the heart for all who will stay in the game. And God really does give crowns. He really does give grace and extra blessings and health and riches. He really does give those things. But let Him give you those things. What He will give you right away is peace if you'll get back in the game. Some of you may be in the game, but you're tempted to quit. You know, you need patience. Patience. The game's not over yet. He hasn't called us to quit. He's called us to keep on keeping on for Him. Run the race with patience. We got COVID all around us. Run the race with patience. We've had to temporarily close up in-person attendance at church. Run the race with patience. Praise God you're watching today. We can't serve the Lord like we used to. Hey, we're going to get back on Saturdays to putting the Gospels in mailboxes. Run the race with patience. Tithing, faith promise. Do it God's way. Run the race with patience. Pray with me now. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.